hey everyone, welcome to the Wealth Investment Podcast. I'm here with my friend Scott Hendricks uh, with Current Investments. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Scott. Thank you, Brian, for having me. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, so the topic for today's podcast is we wanted to talk about diversification across sponsors. And when Scott and I were chatting about this topic, uh, one of the topics that came up, which he has quite a bit of expertise in, is Delaware Statutory Trusts, or DSTs. So I thought we'd maybe start off today by talking about what DSTs are and maybe some of the things that, Scott, you advised your clients on looking for and sponsors in terms of diversifying uh, their risk capital. Right. So uh, obviously what we're addressing is a subset of the world of alternative investments. Alternative investments just being anything that's not a stock, a bond, or a mutual fund. So uh, in my practice, I have a current investments wealth management. I uh, decided that I wanted to have a kind of a niche area of specialization, and that is in alternative investments uh, with more specificity, uh, working with real estate investors who are uh, setting up a tax-deferred exchange of investment real estate under IRS Section 1031, more commonly known as a 1031 exchange or a like-kind exchange. And uh, I learned along the way about a type of alternative investment called a Delaware Statutory Trust, or DST. And when I started asking others in the industry, the real estate industry, what they knew about DSTs, I was surprised to find that there's not a lot of widespread knowledge about this particular type of real estate ownership. Uh, and, and to put it very succinctly, a Delaware Statutory Trust is a form of passive real estate offering and ownership to investors that is the only passive type of real estate that is at play or eligible to be considered as part of a tax-deferred 1031 exchange of real estate. So. As I learned more and more, it provided me with a real opportunity to 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 niche, if you will, right. and uh, develop a level of expertise in this in this uh, lesser known uh, product and option to to real estate investors. Right. Yeah, I know when we were going back and forth about today's topics, you you wanted to make the point that this is supplemental to 1031s as well, and it's not really an either or. But so, why would a sponsor? choose to set up a, a DST as opposed to a 1031? And what what problems is the DST structure solving for a sponsor? And then can you talk a little bit about how that benefits or doesn't benefit investors or kind of how, how it plays out from their perspective and their point of view and how it helps them? Right, right. So so a, a Delaware trust, a Delaware statutory trust is, is uh, an option available to uh, sponsors who are engaged in the 1031 business or to investors who are wishing to sell and replace uh, appreciated property with other real estate investment uh, and might want to consider a passive option. Uh, uh, sponsors are uh, coming to the Delaware Trust product because of the demand for real estate liquidity 
or rather liquidity in the real estate investment world uh, that provides property owners, property investors with the option to defer capital gains tax when they transact in their property, but also to give them a replacement property option that's purely passive, doesn't require active ownership. It's sort of going from, a, I guess, from a GP, if you will, as an active owner or landlord of investment right. property, and then selling it under 1031 and replacing it with a completely hands-off, passive right. property ownership option. And so that interest on the part of the investment community has uh, spurred a lot of, of real estate investment firms to enter the DST space. Right. So I'm a small landlord, or maybe I've got a handful of rentals and I've been working at those actively for however many years there's gain. In theory, if I'd, I'd sell them, I'd have to go realize the gain on everything. But by virtue of using this mechanism to, I don't, I don't know, is it a drop and swap or like how does this work functionally for the investor that wants to exchange out of their existing real estate that they're you know, actively managing into something more passive? Right. Uh, good scenario. So, so uh, again, a DST works just like any other replacement real estate that might be part of a solution to a 1031 exchange, except that it's passive. So where I find the most common use or relevancy, and I will at this point mention, as I should, that Delaware statutory trusts are still limited to accredited investors only. Now, I do find many real estate investors, if not most real estate investors, are accredited. That is, having a net worth of a million or more uh, or income of 200000 uh, annually for a single individual or 300000 for for married filing jointly. For an accredited investor who wishes to sell an appreciated either single piece of property or portfolio of properties, let's say several duplexes in your scenario, as long as they meet the accredited standard, they can sell those properties under Section 1031. And if they no longer have a desire to be an active landlord, but still want to own real estate, except own it passively, a DST right. becomes a really nice option for them. They can okay. take the proceeds from their sale of previously actively managed real estate and then swap that, that money, those proceeds, into a, a Delaware trust or multiple Delaware trusts and go completely hands-free where right. it's the sponsor who bears the responsibility of, of maintain, maintaining the property and the investor who simply becomes more like a limited partner receiving a proportionate share of the income generated under the Delaware Trust from the tenant's rent. Okay. And I'm assuming that you mostly are seeing these as apartment syndications or what types of projects have you seen um, sponsors or syndicators trying to capitalize in yep. using this construct? Really just about every asset class, though I will say multifamily residential is popular right now. Right. I see more multifamily asset uh, categories incorporated in Delaware statutory trusts than I do others. But I've also seen self-storage, commercial office, uh, light industrial, uh, even senior living. So, uh, but, but 
right now, it seems like we're in a phase that where residential, multifamily residential is, is the strongest uh, 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 asset category in terms of just number of sponsors and offerings. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to get into a little bit more too. So, I mean, there's, I'm assuming a timing component to this too, like there is with the 1031 exchange. So if you're a former landlord or somebody that's trying to exchange out a property and you want to get into one of these projects, it probably benefits you to kind of think through your overall plan because you might want to exchange into one or more sponsors. So how would you suggest that people deal with both with that timing consideration, but also start to do their diligence on various asset types and asset classes. And not only that, once they've landed on what those are, who are the right sponsors that are going to have offerings that meet their timing challenges? That way they're not just scrambling around trying to put their money into whatever comes around to, to let the tax tail wag the dog. What advice do you have people with that general process just in terms of planning? Yeah. Uh, Delaware statute. Well, so first of all, as most people who are do 1031 exchanges or who are familiar with 1031 exchanges know, there are tight deadlines that must be met in order to accomplish the tax deferred exchange. In my opinion, the Delaware statutory trust only helps accommodate and facilitate those tight deadlines, namely because the property that underlies the Delaware Trust is already completed. It's built, not only is it completed and built, it's occupied and already cash flowing. That is a requirement in order to be eligible to incorporate as a Delaware statutory trust. So there's gonna be an additional degree of certainty provided to the investor that the underlying property in a DST is there, it exists, It's fully completed and already occupied in cash flowing. Delaware trusts are offered by prospectus. So an investor is going to receive the full uh, offering documents in the form of the prospectus. That's going to include surveys, financial statements, environmental reports, uh, 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 tenant roles, uh, track record, of the sponsor right. in offering past products full cycle, which may make the time necessary for an investor to truly conduct their due diligence not as great as if they had to go out and you know drive around their community with a realtor, for example, looking for property on their own. Okay. As far as, as you mentioned different sponsors, there are uh, many different sponsors that I work with. Uh, I essentially broker these uh, types of alternative investments. There are many sponsors I work with. It's important to me to work with sponsors who have a good bit of experience under their belt. They've already taken several of these trusts full cycle so that that provides an additional measure of, of risk mitigation to potential investors. Uh, but diversification, as with anything involving investing, diversification is very important. Uh, when doing a 1031 exchange, because of the passive nature of the Delaware Trust, it does give 
an investor an opportunity to diversify and gain exposure in categories of real estate that they themselves may not have any experience. For example, if they're selling multifamily property under Section 1031 and they want to go passive or a portion of their proceeds to be passively invested, they could choose a Delaware trust that is built around self-storage or around commercial office, potentially two categories of real estate that the investor had no prior experience managing themselves, but they could gain exposure to those different classes of real estate through a passive reinvestment. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. To what degree do you think this investment versus maybe a REIT or something like that allows clients to get access to non-correlated assets? So, right. you know, there's people are always after this magical uh, correlation. You've got like sort of like that, the curve, the Nike-shaped curve from the classical asset management theory. Um, does this product give people exposure to non-correlated assets or what is your thought process on that? I would say it can. Uh, it's, it's certainly, as with all investing, it's not a guarantee, but uh, most alternative investments are attractive to investors because of their low degree of correlation to, let's say, let's go back to conventional investments like stocks. Real estate tends to perform differently. It's more grounded in income production, income generation, perhaps in certain classes, less in pure appreciation. So by looking at both Delaware trusts in the case of a 1031 exchange or any kind of non-traded, that is non-publicly traded alternative investment, an investor is going to be gaining, in most cases, some measure of lower correlation in a broadly diversified portfolio. Okay. And so the clients that you advise, you know, what percentage, I mean, people are generally, I think, after the risk capital portion of their portfolio for these types of investments. What is your general thought process about that? I know that this is, you mentioned strictly limited to accredited investors. So, um, you know, one per, 5% of a million dollars is, you know, what, 50,000 bucks or not very much. So how attractive is a, as an investment that size to a sponsor? And then also what percentage of people's assets do you recommend that they put into an investment like this to try and capture this non-correlated uh, behavior from the investment? Yep. That's a tough question because I would say it really depends. It really depends on what the investor's objectives are and what their other exposures are. Uh, let's say at the time they come to me. Uh, I, I would say that alternative investments should probably not be more than 50% okay. of an investor's portfolio. Uh, but I think they could be anywhere in between. They could be as little as, uh, you know, single digit percents up to 20%, 30% of an investor's portfolio. It really depends on what their goals are. If they're seeking, if they're seeking growth, just pure appreciation, 
I would say it's hard to beat stocks well selected. If they're seeking some combination of growth and income, you could talk about blue chip stocks or you could talk about real estate. If they're seeking more sort of a cash cow kind of income driver, there's obviously fixed income in the traditional investing world and there's mature real estate, just income producing real estate as a way to generate relatively fixed income. So it really depends on what goals the investor has, what their risk appetite is, and what their existing portfolio is already exposed to. To step back a little bit from strictly DSTs, which are limited to accredited investors, I will say that there are also a wide range, many of which I offer, of alternative investments that are not limited to accredited investors that are open to investors. We sometimes hear the term sophisticated investors, and there are some that have really no minimum net worth or income requirement at all, but still fall into the category of alternative investment because they are not generally publicly traded over an exchange. Right. I'm assuming most of those are Reg D offerings with the 506B exemption or some of the new yes. um, crowdfunding offerings. And I know even there's some funds now that are Reg A plus type offerings that do give people access to this type of deal flow. How, how would you say that in general, the, the DST constructs that you have seen, um, you know, how do they compare to a lot of those other types of investments? Are there more or fewer of them? Are they a different type of product? Or in general, I'm assuming there's some expense involved in setting this up. So I'm assuming a lot of the projects that are DSTs tend to be larger than some of the other Reg D type offerings. You're right on all counts. Uh, DSTs are really a subset of the alternative investment uh, range of opportunities or offerings. Uh, and and by, by far, the number one appeal of a DST to an accredited investor is going to be its role that it can play uniquely in a 1031 exchange. So it is kind of a niche market within the alternative investment or even the real estate investment uh, uh, sphere. And, and Delaware Statutory Trust, their number one uh, benefit is that they provide a way to complete a tax deferred exchange under section 1031. I will be uh, very frank and say that their nominal rates of return, you could probably find stronger rates of return in terms of just nominal income or potential for appreciation in other alternative investments like private equity, private credit, real estate securities, interval funds, uh, other types of non-publicly traded investments, but all those other ones simply don't play a role in a 1031 exchange. So DSTs are, are pretty unique to that particular transaction for real estate investors. Other types of alternative investing, such as private equity, which is by far the most common that I see under the 506 registration, are going to be generally more appealing to investors seeking a higher nominal cash flow. Okay. 
So is it safe to say that the DSTs are really something that somebody that's primarily concerned with tax deferment and tax savings should be looking at? I know that you mentioned something about the, you know, the, the income versus appreciation sort of like trade-offs, but um, I'm just trying to frame out for our listeners, you know, who should be looking at these things. I know that people have these captured, you know, these gains that are set aside and they're not really looking forward to writing a big check to the IRS. They would very much like to defer those. Um, people in that situation are probably different than people who are just really looking at the income versus appreciation trade-offs. I mean, there's also a tax component to all of this. Right, right. Yeah, DSTs uh, are, provide the most benefit, in my opinion, provide the most benefit as a way to, com to defer capital gains tax. Now, uh, in, in 2017, uh, the tax code was amended to offer a new product called a relatively new called opportunity zones. And I don't know if we want to get into a discussion of opportunity zones, but it was simply written into the tax code as a way to distinguish a product that capital gains taxes could be deferred by investing into where the gains would not necessarily have to have come from the sale of real estate as they do in the case of section 1031. So if an investor is sitting on a highly appreciated stock portfolio or right. anything, a highly appreciated, you know, fine art, collectible art portfolio, that type of gain on the sale of that type of asset could be deferred now or since 2017 by investing the proceeds into a project within an opportunity zone, a real estate development project within a designated qualified opportunity zone. Uh, so back to Delaware Trust. Delaware Trust's primary benefit is in aiding accredited investors who seek to defer capital gains tax. Okay. There are other types of alternative investment for anyone who simply has cash to deploy or is looking to add diversification to a broad investment portfolio like private equity, private credit that operate differently, have different features and different benefits potentially to the investor. So, Scott, how come nobody knows about this stuff? Um, I know that, uh, you know, brokers and, and registered investment advisors are, you know, they get compensated on fees or commissions and things like that. So does some of that play into why a lot of folks that are would like to invest in this type of opportunity haven't heard about them? Or is it more a function of something else? It's it's uh, it's definitely plays into it. Uh, DSTs are lesser known. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I've already mentioned, they're only available if you're an accredited investor. Uh, two, uh, because they play such an important role for an accredited investor doing a 1031 exchange, uh, they're usually going to be working with a real estate agent or broker. And uh, a real estate agent or broker is not in line to earn a commission if their client invests in a DST. Someone like I am, I have a, a securities license because yeah. they're registered under 
uh, SEC Section 506, I'm in line to earn a little fee or a commission. And so I think there's a perception that uh, DSTs take commission away from real estate agents who are only in the business of selling uh, physical property. And uh, DST is simply one of the many types of alternative investments that I can broker under my license. So I have a lot of different ways to bring products to clients uh, that I stand to, to earn a living from uh, versus uh, the more possibly more limited options available to a real estate agent. I think that puts them in a situation where the real estate agent is not inclined to take the time to learn about a Delaware Trust, but I will say to their credit, when I have talked to groups of real estate agents who work with investor clients, they are very receptive to learning. Because of the uniqueness of DSTs, if I can find a group of real estate agents with a with more of a an attitude of abundance and an open uh, an open mind to learn something new, it really gives them an opportunity to specialize and gain some lesser known. Uh, uh, product knowledge available to bring to bear to their own clients. So I really see us as working together if I right. can get that message out successfully. But in the meantime, okay. Delaware trusts are simply not widely uh, known. Right, right. Well, Scott, I'd like to thank you for your time and attention today. We're going to have to do a follow-up one of these. Um, if folks want to get in contact with you, you know, maybe they don't know about uh, all this complexity or they're either on the sponsor side or an investor, uh, how, do they, how do they get in contact with you? Sure. Thank you. Uh, again, my name is Scott Hendricks, and my firm is Current Investments Wealth Management. Uh, but my, the way to, best way to find me is on the Internet. My website is uh, Current Investments, current like the flow of water investments, plural, dot net, N-E-T, currentinvestments.net. Be happy to talk to any member of your audience that is uh, curious to learn more about what we've discussed today. I also uh, perform portfolio management of conventional uh, assets, the, the stocks, bonds, and mutual funds we talked about earlier, a full sure. range of wealth management services, including alternative investments for both accredited and non-accredited investors. Okay. Well, thanks again, Scott, for your time and um, definitely something we should explore more on future podcasts. Appreciate your time today. Thanks very much, Brian. Glad to help. Thanks. Thanks.